When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Caller number 10. Right now at 800-636-1067. Congrats, you're winning two tickets to see the Capitals. Tuesday, February 6th, against the Canadians. For tickets in the complete cap schedule, go to thefandc.com slash contests. This is courtesy of the Washington Capitals. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on The Fan. Remember, we've got a big live event, The Fan vs. 980 at Bethesda Theater, February 2nd at 8 p.m. All your favorite show personalities from these stations will be there, including the Junks, B. Mitch and Finley, Danny, myself, on stage. It's going to be a good time. Get tickets right now at BethesdaTheater.com. Presented by Main Street Bank, cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. Let's get to the BetQL guest hotline and welcome on to the show, Jay Gruden. On air and on the road, Jay Gruden is driven by the Tebrit Automotive Group, Tebrit Ford and Chantilly in Fairfax, your F-150 headquarters, and Tedbert Chevrolet and Sterling, home to Tedbert for life, lifetime vehicle coverage. See and shop at tedbert.com. Jay, good to talk to you again, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Good, buddy. We are well. Uh, let's talk. About the final four remaining in the NFL, we'll go back through some of the games we saw, but any surprises to you? What jumped out at you from this weekend most? Uh, not really big surprises. I think the best teams won a great matchup in Buffalo and Kansas City. I just uh, I think the difference between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes might be that, you know, if Patrick Mahomes got the ball back at the end, he'd probably win it, and Josh Allen couldn't quite get it done. That's the biggest surprise, I think, or biggest – I mean, it's just a tough deal for Josh Allen to, you know, lose three times in a row to him. But that was a great game. San Fran, I think Purdy struggling early was a little bit of a surprise, and then he got it together had the final drive, which was great. Uh, Detroit's line, offensive line, is powerful, man, and Jameer Gibbs is awesome. Uh, they have a chance to beat anybody with that offensive line. they got to play a little bit better defense, though. And then uh, Baltimore. Baltimore is just uh, – they might be the perfect team. They, they don't have any weaknesses. Jay, I want to come back to the Ravens, but let's start with the Bills that you mentioned up there first. They've won double-digit games, at least 10 since 2019 every year. Uh, they've got a couple 13-win seasons, 11 this year after that kind of you know mediocre start. They ripped off a bunch straight and looked like really, really dangerous. They've pretty much done everything right. It's My heart kind of breaks for, for Allen and McDermott and those fans up there to never be able to punch through. You, you kind of mentioned this about, about Allen. Do you sort of feel like they're missing something up there that's why they haven't done it yet, or is it just a bad time because Mahomes is in the league? Yeah, it's a bad time because Mahomes in the league. That's one. And number two, you have to be almost perfect to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And when your kicker misses a field goal to tie it, um, and you have a few errant plays here and there, you don't capitalize on plays that are there. You know, Diggs dropped that deep one, and then Josh got pushing the back when uh, Shakir was wide open, and uh, that one fell to the ground. 
uh, you just have to hit on all cylinders to beat Kansas City, and unfortunately, they just didn't make the plays that were there for them. I mean, they'll learn from it. They'll hopefully get some better defensive players healthy, their best players healthy again, and make another run next year. What happened to Stephon Diggs as the year went on? I mean, it couldn't be that he just, like, hit a wall, I don't think, right? No. He's 30 years old, no. but he just yeah. was – I mean, he got outperformed by Shakir over the last half of the year. He did, and uh, he didn't, didn't have a 100-yard receiving game since October, I think it was. He still has great suddenness and burst out of his cuts. I still think he's an excellent receiver. I just think they really committed to the run a lot more. Josh Allen's quarterback design runs and James Cook – and Dalton Kincaid started, Kincaid started to emerge a little bit as a quality uh, target for uh, Josh. And then Shakir started to, to rear his head a little bit. So I just think he wasn't quite the number one read all the time. Josh is starting to spread the ball around a little bit better. That's not good for Diggs, but it was better for the football team. You mentioned Kincaid. Uh, the rookie had an outstanding first season. Sam Laporta with Detroit, even more impressive than Dalton's 73 catches, 673 yards this year. Man, do I covet a young tight end and a weapon. You had Jordan Reed when you were here. I know there aren't guys like him available in many drafts, but can you speak to just how big a deal it is if you have a a pass catcher, and we saw it for a season with Logan Thomas, who could be a mismatch and a guy who could really be a weapon, what that could do for whoever the next head coach is to unlock whoever's starting at quarterback? It means everything. And if you have a young quarterback, you better have a good tight end. I mean, it just is a huge uh, safety blanket for the quarterback, and it's an easy target to throw to. They work the linebackers between the numbers, and those are easier throws for quarterbacks than throwing outside the numbers to speed guys on deep outs and comebacks and over corners and cover two and all that stuff. You work the middle of the field, and they get great matchups if they can separate and get in and out of their cuts. They get good matchups in man-to-man off linebackers or safeties. And uh, it, You look at Kelsey and the teams that are in it right now, Laporta, like you mentioned, and Kittle in San Francisco, all these teams that are left have a quality tight end that can make things happen, especially on third down when the game's on the line. They're just great targets and friendly targets, and they're big and they're physical. And if they can block also, you got yourself a, a winner. Jay Gruden with us here on G&D. Let's go to the Chiefs part of this thing. At times this year, they didn't really look right, like or like we've seen them in the past, that offensive juggernaut, but their defense was so good. This game, it really felt like their offense kind of built that defense out a couple times over. What did you see from them, and, and how do you think they match up against Baltimore? They did bail them out this week, and, and obviously the Bills had a great plan for the Chiefs' defense. They had a lot of long drives, not a lot of possessions for these teams because both teams had some 10, 12, 14 plays drives that really ate up a lot of clock. Uh, but Kansas City's defense really has done an unbelievable job all year of keeping them close, and, and then Patrick, of course, will get it done at the end. But I think the emergence of Rasheed Rice has really helped out a lot for Kansas City's offense. It's taken a little bit of pressure off Kelsey. Teams can't just single him out all the time. Uh, Valdez Scantling had a couple catches, which was shocking. He, he actually hung on to the ball, which is good for them. <laughs> but Pacheco has really been the key for them uh, moving forward. He's a physical runner between the tackles. They have good offensive line play. Hopefully, Thune Thurney uh, is okay with his pec injury because he's a huge uh, big man in that middle of that offensive line, which opens up the holes for Pacheco. So the run game and the emergence of Rasheed Rice, I think, has really made Kansas City into the championship contender they are. What you see conceptually from the Lions offense and you know them trying to scheme up Tampa that you like? They, they targeted St. Brown and Laporta 25 times of uh, Goff's 43 attempts. Well, they have great skill. You know, Gibbs is unbelievable. Laporte is great. St. Brown can do a lot of different things. And Jared Goff is a very accurate rhythm-type thrower. And if he can throw from his spot, Tampa did try to disrupt his uh, spot a lot by blitzing here and there. But uh, the offensive line for Detroit 
is really what their team's all about. They're physical. They take after their head coach. And, uh, yeah, I think really what tells you what type of team they are is the fourth and three at the three, where they ran it right up the middle, right right over Vita Vea for a walking touchdown. That is a gutsy call by Ben, and uh, I'm sure the offensive linemen loved it, and that's things that they can rally on and really, really uh, help put the Lions over the top and got them the confidence they needed to win that game. How did Tampa get here? Well, they had the, you know, the NFC South wasn't that great, so they got some wins in that division. And, and uh, Todd Bowles is a very good defensive coach. He does a good job. And Baker had a pretty good, solid season. You know, he had some games where you're, like, shaking your head. He does some Baker-type things. But I think over the course of the 17, 18, 19 games that he played, he played pretty darn good. And Mike Evans is a legitimate number one receiver now. He is a great, great player. Obviously, they got Godwin and Rashid, Rashad White really has emerged as a quality running back for him. So, they have a pretty good football team over there. And when you have Todd Bowles on defense, coaching that defense, they're going to be disruptive. And Baker Mayfield uh, proved that he's the starting quarterback in this league. It sounded like you said you thought Detroit, even though they're down now, one of their interior linemen. I think Jonah Jackson, their guard, is Jonah not going to start. Yeah. But you sound it sounded like you thought maybe they could give San Francisco a run, even leaving the Dome going out on the road cross-country. I do think they can. Um, I think uh, they're they're so big up front. They're very good, and they're very diverse in what they do. Ben does a good job of utilizing his weapons, like I mentioned. Um, the running game, they can run between the tackles. They get outside. Jameer Gibbs has the speed to get out there. Montgomery has the power between the tackles. Obviously, St. Brown is a great weapon. Laporta, you mentioned. Josh Reynolds can go up top still a little bit. And the way Jared Goff is throwing the football, uh, for sure they have a chance. And, 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 and Purdy struggled a little bit. And it was raining and all that stuff. I don't know if his confidence is a little bit shaken right now. This is a good time to play San Francisco, in my mind. I know Purdy had a great final drive, and they got the win, which is what counts. But in the course of a 60-minute game, I give Detroit a very good chance in this game because of the way they're playing, the confidence they have, and the power that they have on offense. Joe, uh, Joe I'm sure. Jay, let me go to the Ravens real quick. Uh, defensively, what makes them so tough? I mean, I, obviously they got really good players, but nobody thought they'd be this good coming into the season. And they took some cast-offs and a bunch of guys that nobody really was that interested in and made this group one of the best of all time statistically. Yeah, they're disruptive up front. They do a lot of stunting and moving, but the speed of the linebackers and the way their linebackers can cover people is is the difference, I think, in that football team. They've always had a good secondary, even Marlon Humphrey being out. They still play hard. Darby took over for him. <laughs> He's been on three or four different teams. Uh, but they do a great job of matching concepts uh, in the secondary. But the key is those two linebackers. They just run sideline to sideline. They're physical between the tackles. They can rush the passer. And then defensively, the four-man rushes can get home. And they just play good, sound football, and they're a very violent football team. And they hustle, and they fly to the football. They always take good angles, and you're not going to get any big plays against them. It's very difficult to get big plays against them. And you know, If you're going to try to get 12-play drives against the Baltimore Raven defense, it's going to be tough for you. I mean, how would you try to game plan for them? Like, you, you got to play them this weekend. I guess you have the benefit of having Mahomes in that hypothetical. But just as a play designer, what are you trying to do? Well, you got to try to figure out some chunk play somehow. And I'm sure Andy Reid will try to design something. But you also have to be patient. Patrick has to be patient and take what the defense gives them and try to work the matchups, you know, the favorable matchup they have. I don't know if they Baltimore's going to play a lot of man-to-man versus – uh, Kansas City with uh, Travis Kelsey, and if they do, they'll have Hamilton on him, which will be a pretty good matchup, interesting matchup. But they're going to be more a matchup zone-type team, and the key is how they can keep Patrick in the pocket and not let him escape and make the big plays with his legs, the unscripted plays. That'll be the difference in the game. And, and good luck doing that because Patrick does that versus everybody. But that'll be the key of the game. 
For the Ravens' offense, obviously they run it so well. How much of that is a great running scheme and design versus the threat of having Lamar Jackson take off? Uh, the threat is gigantic. Same with Buffalo. When they started running the ball good with Josh Allen's threat of running a football, you can't crash defensive ends. They always have to kind of play with their eyes, and everybody's kind of hesitant to really hit the gaps they have to hit because they're, they're afraid of the quarterback running. And Lamar, you have to keep your eyes on him, dang there. You know, you, you, have to, you might lose some gap integrity because – Everybody's watching Lamar, and then uh, by the time you realize he doesn't have the ball, now you got to get back to your gap. Now the linemen are up on you. Big Morgan Moses and Kevin Zeitler on the right side. They're physical-type players. They can maul people. Uh, they get outside. Ronnie Stanley on the left side. They're very athletic on the left side. Linderball is a great center. He can get up on a second level in a hurry. Uh, and, and the quarterback design runs, and the runs of the Gus, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, they're, they're, just, they're just hard to stop. The injury for the Chiefs, that I think worries me the most this weekend is Willie Gay. You know, their inside linebacker, they had him spying Allen. He got hurt. He would be their spy for Lamar. If he can't play, I think that's a big loss. They're already down their nose tackle, the big 320-pound run stuff where you saw the Bills run the ball on them. I, what do you, I mean, if you don't have Gay, just that seems like it could be a game-changer in terms of trying not to let Lamar, coming off 100 rushing yards, you know, go crazy as a ball carrier. Yeah, that's a big miss for them because he does do a good job of that spy technique and he can run pretty good. So you got to have somebody that can run in that linebacker spot if you're playing the Ravens, that's for sure, because not only do you have to, you know, worry about, uh, uh, you know, the running game, you have to worry about Lamar, then you have to worry about the passing game. Isaiah Likely is getting on top of people. And, you know, obviously they still got Beckham and Bateman and Zay Flowers will be bad. I mean, these guys just have a different ways that can hurt you. And it's not just running the football. They can throw the ball extremely well. And when you take away the pass, Lamar will run it. When you take away the run, he'll throw it. And It's just a very tough, tough afternoon for defensive play callers against the Baltimore defense. Jay Gruden with us here on G&D. Let's go to the NFC side real quick again, Jay. If you're Detroit, if you're in some of those meetings right now, how do you game plan against San Francisco? Well, you know, they have a pretty good pass rush. So you got to make sure you have somebody helping out with Bosa. Uh, he's a good player in interior, but they have great linebacker play as well. I think San Francisco and Baltimore are the two best linebacking duos in pro football. And uh, those guys can run, and you just have to make sure you're very patient with what you do and uh, take what they give you. And at some point, you're going to have to take a shot against some of these corners that they have. I know uh, uh, Ward is uh, playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's a great player. Maybe work on the other corner on the other side, take some shots try to manufacture some big plays and uh, try to get outside the pocket with a very fast-pursuing defense. I think you can get them with some uh, nakeds and some bootlegs on the outside to try to get some easy throws for your quarterback for Jared Goff, which he's very good at. The play passes, you know, everybody's going to be worried about Gibbs and all that stuff, so maybe you can utilize him and uh, work some play actions with them in the game and uh, take some shots at Laporta or Amandre St. Brown. Jay, you mentioned helping against Bosa. Green Bay does something. I feel like they do it a lot, but I, I can't prove it. I want your take on this big picture football. I love that they'll keep a tight end, and I put that in quotes, to maybe chip or help out against a lineman, and then if the quarterback's in trouble, he becomes a very late release valve. Is that something that you like doing in your offenses, or is that kind of uncommon? Yeah, no, you got to do it. You have to do it, you know, especially when we lost Trent Williams. Uh, we had Donald Penn in there. He's 37 years old. You know, he's had seen better days. We had to do it a lot, and uh, you have to you have to protect your tackles against some of these speed, especially known passing situations. And, even in first and second down, sometimes you'll put a tight end there and, and bang him on the way out or keep him in and, and uh, you just make sure your quarterback can set his feet and throw it and then leak him out late. And sometimes those late leakers can be 
big plays, 15, 20 yards, because the defense don't see them, they don't respect them, and they get back on their panic drops, and they get so far back in their hook zones or their flat zones, they lose sight of the tight end. You can dump it off to them for a nice safety valve. Jay Gruden, Monday appointment with us, 5 o'clock throughout the postseason, here on Grant and Danny to break down all the action. Uh, You mentioned Brock Purdy's struggles. Uh, He ended up having the one big drive at the critical moment to help San Francisco win, but it was not pretty for him, obviously. Weather, I mean, it was wet. I don't know how big his hands are. He was wiping his pants as he was getting ready to throw, like while dropping back. A couple of viral videos came out. What do you think was with his performance? Because I think that's unsettling if you're Kyle Shanahan getting ready now to take on Detroit. Yeah, I think the water, the wetness of the ball had a lot to do with it for some reason. He couldn't get a good grip on it. He's got big enough hands. I don't think that's the issue which people are pointing to, but um, some people just have trouble throwing a wet ball. I couldn't stand throwing a wet ball when I played. I, you know, sometimes my sweater was, my center was so sweaty, the ball would be all wet and I'd throw knuckleballs out there. I couldn't stand it. Uh, so yeah, sometimes the weather has different effects on different quarterbacks. Cold weather has some effect, but It'll be a nice, sunshiny day in San Francisco next week, and then they play in Vegas if they win the next week, so the weather won't be an issue coming up for the San Francisco 49ers. Biggest issue is Debo to me. I think Debo Samuel is a huge, huge player for that football team. If he doesn't play, that'll be a a big advantage for Detroit. So go into that. I mean, they're 21-3 and when Debo and McCaffrey play, and, and they're way closer to 500 when both of them aren't on the field. It's just one weapon, albeit a Swiss Army knife, but what changes so much? His versatility, uh, his toughness, you know, he's not only a physical player after the ball's in his hands, but he's a good blocker. And he's physical. He helps out McCaffrey in a running game, uh, the play-action game. His ability to take a short pass and make it into a big play is what makes that offense go. You know, it's old West Coast-style offense. You get the ball to Jerry Rice on a slant route, he runs for 60. You get the ball to Debo on a little screen, he runs for 40. Not many guys can do that. They don't have the physicality and the and the toughness to do that, and that's what Debo brings to the table. Tough, physical-minded football player that is a dominant player, and he can make big plays at any time on the field. And when you don't have him on the field, now you're counting on Jawan Jennings, who had a decent game, but it's not quite the same. You know, so now you got to feature more of Christian McCaffrey and uh, be a little bit more patient and try to get the ball to Kittle a little bit more, but and Ayuk a little bit more. But Debo is a different animal out there. Jay, for a guy like Dan Campbell or, or some of the players that, that haven't been in this big of a game before, what would your advice be to them as they approach this, you know, the world stops, the whole, not, not just the sporting world, but now casual viewers, 50 million people plus probably are going to be watching these games, and it just feels bigger than the normal football. What would your advice be to guys that are going through that? I think you got to keep your uh, practice plan very similar to what it's been all year. Nothing has to be different. You don't have to go crazy. And, hey, hey we got to do special things in, in this game. We're going to be who you are and what your identity is and, and preach that the reason why you're in this position is because of what we've done in this category, the way we're running the ball, the physicality that we play with, the toughness, the mental toughness, the fortitude that we have that we can come back and uh, overcome any type of adversity. That's who we are. That's what we're about. And I know it's, that's what Dan Campbell has preached all along, biting kneecaps, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to play physical, they're going to play tough, and they're never going to give up. They're going to be relentless for 60 minutes, and that's what makes Detroit so dangerous. Would you be ready if you were the Packers after this season to give Jordan Love the extension he's now going to get if and when they pay him, which is, I don't know, four years and like $200 million or something crazy? Yeah, I think the last 10 games of the season, I think, proved Jordan Love deserves uh, to be a starting quarterback for Green Bay for a long time, and he's only going to get better. I think 
uh, you know, I was talking to somebody who was with Green Bay uh, last year, and he said that rookie year he was not very good. And somehow he's just doing scout team, and he's working on throwing motions and arm angles, and he just got better and more confident. And he gets a game. He struggled a little bit early and had some bad games. But then it just all clicked for him. And, and when you see a quarterback with that type of confidence that can make the type of throws that he can make, you got to extend them because he obviously has a good feel for the offense. LaFleur knows how to coach him, and he can make every type of throw you want. So you got to extend them. Jay, who's going to the Super Bowl? Uh, Baltimore and San Fran. Easy. One season. Not easy. I think San Fran's going to have a little bit more trouble. I'm more, if Debo doesn't play, that's going to be uh, it's going to be a closer game than, I, than a lot of people think. And I think Troy uh, will give him a run for the money. But I think at the end of the day, if Trent and all those guys play for San Francisco, McCaffrey will be ready to roll. I think San Fran will, will get after Detroit's defense a little bit. Hey, a little insider football trading here. Uh, just as a coach who sat in on all these. So I don't know if you heard the comment, but Tom Rinaldi, the sideline reporter on Fox, after Anders Carlson missed the kick, that was so critical in that Green Bay game, said that Matt LaFleur told him this week, he basically said, when Carlson goes out there, I just pray. Did you hear that comment on the broadcast? <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. Okay, so, but, well, he he mentioned it on the telecast. They went down to him for a report, and he's like, yeah, they've known this. He's missed a kick five straight weeks, whatever. Well, the reason I bring this up is that apparently was a comment that LaFleur had made during their weekly sit-down at the boardroom table kind of bit off-the-record conversation. And LaFleur, when he was talking about this now with the media, they were, he was asked about that comment. And he said, that was extremely disappointing that that's how it was portrayed. He said, I've been doing this for, been part of production meetings ever since I became a coordinator. I've never had an experience like that. But it is what it is. I told Anders about it. He said he basically w was joking about it. It was like in passing, and it was kind of a funny comment. But my, my question to you is, number one, that does feel like if it if it was said in there to quote him on the sideline report, seems like a violation of kind of the unwritten rules. I just want to know what you think about that. Yeah, that's not right for somebody to to bring that back out in public. You know, when you say behind closed doors and you're just kind of talking jokingly around, you know, especially about a player like that, you know, it's just, it's that's not right. You know, I, I've said some things before as well noted uh, behind closed doors that hopefully doesn't get out, but uh, a lot of it has, but. You know, it's unfortunate. Uh, like what? You know, sometimes when, it, what when, the got out? Does, when the kicker does go out there a lot of times, you know, you do say a little quick little prayer to yourself because, you know, you hate kicking field goals, number one. Number two, you just never know. You got a center, you got the holder, you got, you got a block for the thing, and, and then you got to make the thing. It's, it's never an easy deal when you're kicking a field goal unless you're Baltimore with Justin Tucker or some of these other teams with these unbelievable kickers. Jay, what got out? What, was, what, what, what violated the, the circle of trust? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Something probably. I have to chop it. You weren't my thinking about anything specific. <laughs> Was there anything specific? No, no. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Jay, thank you. It's good catching up. You got it. Thank you, guys. We'll see you, buddy. There's Jay Gruden joins us each and every week on Grant and Danny. On air and on the road, Jay Gruden is driven by the Tempered Automotive Group, Tempered Ford, Chantilly, and Fairfax, Ref 150 headquarters, and Tempered Chevrolet and Sterling, home to Tempered for life, lifetime vehicle coverage. See and shop at Tempered.com. Yeah, LaFleur's comment, I've never had an experience like that. You know, I think anytime something's out of your control, you're kind of saying it in jest and having fun with it, but it got portrayed that way. It's a learning lesson for me. I mean, if that's true, that's kind of a bad bit by Tom Rinaldi. 100%. Like, come on, dude. Tom Rinaldi, who's mostly known as his, like, he's doing the story that's, like, going to make you cry about the, the kid who's Here's an out, unbelievably like, sad thing. 
Here's why it's even sadder. Cue my like very dramatic music. But now he's become the A-team opposite Aaron Andrews, uh-huh. Mr. Sideline Reporter. But you can't do that. Now it's better than completely making it up, which everyone's kind of forgotten about Carissa Thompson saying that. So I guess we should give him credit for not just completely. At least he didn't make it up. Yeah, he didn't lie about everything and just say that someone told him that. But come on, man. You can't do that to my guy, Matty LaFleur. I'm not size for that. As long as it was, I don't, because I, I remember seeing, hearing that on the telecast. I went, wait, what? If it was sort of said in jest, like the tone is very important there, right? If it's yeah, every time that dude kicks, I'm praying versus, yeah, like, you know, I, I say a prayer or whatever, see what happens. Very different between those My two things. My point is, regardless, that meeting is a background information meeting. You will say occasionally, can you use that? Can you not use that? You're not supposed to be quoting individual evaluations of players, certainly not anything negative. If a guy's telling you something negative about a player, pretty clear he probably doesn't want that quoted to 37 million people on Sunday right after the dude misses a kick. Very surprised that uh, Rinaldi, who's seasoned, would do that. Mel Kuyper just put out a mock draft. He's got the commanders making a pick at number two, and it's not Drake May or Caleb Williams. Who's he got him taking? We'll tell you next on Grant and Danny. The first goal of the offseason for the commander's ownership group, which was taking over on day one after the season on January 8th, running this outfit was to land a GM, and Adam Peters has been signed, sealed, and delivered. Goal number two is to hire a head coach, and they are in that process now. You just heard Toby giving you an update of everything going on. Dan Quinn will interview in person for his second chat with this group this week. Raheem Morris will get his second interview. They're going to talk to Mike McDonald again, presumably. Ben Johnson again, probably next week, after they're allowed to sit down and speak with the coordinators who are still alive in the playoffs. But the other big developing situation this offseason and the other position where they've got to make the right decision if this is going to work moving forward, quarterback. GM check, head coach, they're working on it. QB is the third of the big three here. What are you going to do with the number two pick? Well, Mel Kuyper, who has been the draft expert at ESPN for many, many years, was on television with Field Yates today. We'll play this audio for you. They were talking about Mel's new mock that dropped this morning. He had Caleb Williams going one overall to the Chicago Bears, and the commanders were on the clock at number two, and they surprised some. I'm going Jaden Daniels, a quarterback from LSU, formerly of Arizona State, who Herm Edwards who recruited him. I said, give me a cop. He gave me Randall Cunningham, Herm did, who knows Jaden Daniels as well as anybody. Everybody says Lamar Jackson. He went with Randall Cunningham. You look at the uh, skill set field, the dual threat capabilities, and the fact that he was aggressive with his throws, aggressive running with the football, yet he didn't turn it over. And that's a tough tap dance to be able to throw 40 touchdowns, four picks only, don't turn it over, yet go out there and just let it rip, Field. And he would let it rip to Brian Thomas Jr. 
and Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors has a chance to be a really high pick. Brian Thomas Jr. has a chance to be a mid-first rounder. So he did add two great receivers to throw to. But you look at the improvement he showed this year. Look at the touchdowns. Way up, right? Completion percentage. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was outstanding in 2022. Okay? He did some great things at Arizona State before he came there. He put on a little weight. He was not about a 180, 185 any longer. So I think the fact that Jaden Daniels did what he needed to do this year in terms of adding weight to that frame, improving in all areas to the point field where he went from a third, fourth, fifth round type of pick to a top five pick guaranteed, and I think the second pick overall. So when I look at, you mentioned the quarterbacks, okay? Mahomes extending things. Josh Allen being Superman out there. Lamar Jackson being unbelievable doing what he does, okay? Those types of quarterbacks that really, I think when you talk about threatening a defense, stressing a defense, you think you, ha- you have a defense. You saw Spagnuolo. Then he goes on to say more, Mel Kuyper. Uh, we were trying to wait for him to breathe, but it doesn't happen. He doesn't do it. It's a Terminator. Eventually, he'll take a breath. And then at some point, he just I think Derek just got bored and potted it down. Breathing overrated quality. You know, what a, to me, take, take many breaths. It interrupts your train of thought. You get the words out there. Keep talking. Don't stop talking. Like, he's unbelievable. But his point that he was making there at the end about Daniels and why it's so intriguing, yes, that's what's sexy. That's the skill set. That's the thing that catches a lot of people's attention, mine included, by the way. That's, that's why I'm every bit as intrigued. It's that... You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know that if you think or like you feel like you've got a negative play, and not only is it not a negative play, but it's a backbreaking third and 15 conversion. You you escape the sack and, you know, turn it into a touchdown, et cetera. That's the special thing that he might be able to bring to the next level that's going to make somebody happy. So when Washington was projected to pick in that six, seven, eight, nine range. Early this season, I was screaming about Jaden Daniels. That that was, to me, kind of the ideal, perfect scenario. Now that they have an opportunity to pick second, I would take Drake May over him. I think Drake May is a little bit more plug-and-play, kind of safer bet. But this is going to largely depend on a bunch of things, but most notably, who's your head coach? What kind of offense do they want to run? What do they think about the quarterback situation? It's going to be Adam Peters' pick. I mean, he's putting his reputation on the line. This is his first shot. You only get to pick a couple of quarterbacks before you run out of a town anyway. So make no mistake about it. Peters, more so than even the head coach that comes in here, even if it's an offensive-minded guy, is going to have his say. But you're going to take someone that the coach thinks really fits what they do. And I think if you're Peters, that's what you got to do. So in a world where if they were to hire Raheem Morris, let's say, as the head coach, and you go get an offensive coordinator, maybe the coordinator that comes in is someone who has had a running quarterback before. You know, I'm, I'm just throwing a name out there. But, like, if you were to bring in Greg Roman or something, it would maybe be a tell. Like, oh, maybe they like oh, the idea yeah. Jaden Daniels or something like that. Um, but if they do what I think they're going to do, I still think they're going to hire Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson alert. And I think Ben Johnson, to me – would be working with the quarterback that is most similar to the guy he has now. I've just seen it already. I see what it looks like. Is Drake May is kind of the most comparable to me to Jared Goff in that it's it's a big. He's more athletic than Goff by far, uh, but like he's a, a big bodied in the pocket, statuesque, make every throw kind of quarterback. There's a lot less guesswork with running around, scrambling, 
having kind of been the priority at times in college. But here are my two knocks on Daniels, because I really, really like Daniels. I think he should go third overall. Like, if if Washington, let's say, had the third pick and they didn't get the tiebreaker and New England had the second pick and took May, then I, I wouldn't fool around. I would just take Jaden Daniels third and call it a day and move forward. And if you're and if he doesn't develop, if he's not Lamar, then so be it. But take your chances. Yeah, it's see, a worthwhile skill set. Yeah. See what happens. Uh, but it's five years in college, which there's a bunch of those guys out there. You know, we've talked about Bo Nix, uh, Michael Penix. I mean, he played three years at Arizona State, two at LSU. He kind of came on this year. It's a little Joe Burrow-ish, which is not a bad thing as, as it turned out for Burrow. But it was a one-hit wonder at this level. You just heard Mel say, coming into the year, it was like a third to fifth round pick type prospect. Now he's a first day top five pick. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit worrisome to me. I also don't love that his two receivers are both going in the top 20 picks, in my opinion. I think Brian Thomas Sr. goes in the teens. I think Malik Neighbors goes in the top 10. So you had two. there was a stat I saw, I'll have to find it, that no college quarterback this year made more throws to wide open receivers down the field, like about space from a DB, than Jaden Daniels did. So I think there's some of that where you go, okay, you had the two best receivers. That helped a lot. I also, the size. Do you realize he's 30 pounds lighter than Robert Griffin was? This is my concern. 30 pounds. Yeah. He, he's 6'3", about 185 is what he's listed as. He doesn't look 185. He looks thinner than that. I agree. He's 30 pounds lighter than Lamar Jackson. That's my only concern. The, the you know, I'd rather explain away great production than defend why it didn't happen, right, when it comes to a prospect. Like, if he went second overall to Washington, I go, great, that's awesome. Let's make sure he's thoroughly protected and everyone, there's a lecture a week about what to do when you're, when you're in traffic, about, about sliding and get, throwing the ball away early and getting out of bounds. But the skill set is so intriguing. The size part of it to me is the only thing I worry about. Let's dive deeper into this. I want to get more of your thoughts on Jaden Daniels and see what people think. So Mel Kuyper's saying if Caleb Williams goes one at number two, again, this is a mock. He could just be trying to drum up some conversation. And if so, he did it. Uh, there's a bunch of mocks that will still come out leading up to the draft. We still have months. But he is saying Jaden Daniels, not Drake May to Washington. Uh, what would you think about that? And how much should their head coaching hire play into that? Grant and Danny on the fan. Grant and Danny on the fan. With you until 6.30 tonight. We've got overtime. 45 minutes from now, right then and there, uh, up till deep into the evening, live and local. So make sure you keep it on 106.7. Ted Wynn, who's the film critic, and film critic sounds like he covers movies. That's probably not Him right. and BDK do a podcast. The old 22 breaker downer. He, he breaks down the film over at The Athletic, covers the NFL. He's going to stop by at 6. Maybe we'll get his thoughts on whether you should see movies in 3D or uh, <laughs> IMAX as well uh, when he joins us. But Danny, Mel Kuyper says at number 2, Washington should take Jaden Daniels, not Drake May. I'd be willing to bet he's not saying this closer to the draft. Maybe this is just kind of if you put Drake May out there, no one's talking about it. If you say Jaden Daniels, a lot of people are. But the point is this is not crazy. Like Jaden Daniels, unbelievable player. I think he goes in the top five regardless. Yeah, won the Heisman. Should go third overall in my opinion. I would take him if I was New England. Could be the next Lamar Jackson in this league. Could be the next great dual threat. I do not love the the size, just the sheer weight. He's actually plenty tall. Uh, and I worry about how great his receivers were if, if that was a factor. I got some other numbers I can go to. 
But your rapid reaction to Daniels over May would be? Sounds good to me. Let's ride. I, I mean, the the athletic skill set is what's so intriguing. The ceiling of Jaden Daniels is as high as anybody in this draft. And that's not hyperbolic. I mean, there's a reason why I'm, I'm going the, uh, why I'm blanking on his name. Anthony went to the Colts. Armstrong. No, damn Richardson. It. Richardson, thank yeah. you. I couldn't I couldn't get the right Anthony. I had Carmelo in my head, which is wrong. Uh, Anthony Richardson, there's a reason you, you you take a swing there. Anderson. It may not go well, right, for a guy that's that raw. And I'm not saying Daniels is that. It's Heisman Trophy winner. Pretty refined when you're dropping 40 touchdowns on people. But you take a swing at that skill set because it's so intriguing. I, I'm If if the whole point of this offseason is, is to keep shooting the moon, try to do something remarkable, the, the unproven yet high ceiling head coach, well, you got a, something similar here. Right, yeah. we're a guy that's got a a Hall of Fame. We haven't seen much of this for this kind of time. Uh, quarterback potentially, I'm all for it. Pressure to sack percentage, which was really telling with Sam Howell mm-hmm. at proclivity. Jaden Daniels takes the most sacks out of pressures of anyone in this high end of the quarterback class, which I, I hate. That that's a big problem. Now it doesn't mean he can't improve, but generally, college to pro that comes with you packed in those bags. So just as an example, Drake may get sacked on 19% of pressures. Caleb Williams, about 20%. Bo Nix, only 11% of pressures become sacks. Penix is great at it, about 7%. Jaden Daniels, 25% of pressures mm. this year became sacks. So that's an issue. Uh, another thing I look at, and I'm a Drake May believer. I, th- I think I see some Herbert when I watch him. But passing grade on first and second read throws this year. So like on schedule, Drake May was number one in the country uh, at you know, executing first, second read, getting the ball out, being decisive, throwing a catchable football. Passing grade on straight dropbacks, 2.5 seconds or less in college football, 2022, you know, two seasons ago. Drake May was number one. Caleb Williams was number seven. Both top five in the power conferences, uh, by the way. So just some things I've kind of been on with Drake May. I will say Jaden Daniels had the best top 25 success, I think, of all these guys, uh, which bodes well for him. He played a lot more games, I would imagine, in the SEC against top five teams, certainly than Drake May did, probably than Caleb Williams did as well. Let's go to Javel and Culpepper. What's up, buddy? Hey, good evening, guys. How you doing? Good, buddy. Good. Uh, I think it's totally disrespectful uh, to bring up the wide receivers when it comes to Jaden Daniels because uh, we never heard that when it came to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had Justin Jefferson, and he had Jamar Chase. So that, to, to, to bring that comp up, to me, is very disrespectful. Hey, don't say uh, disrespectful. I, I don't like that word. It's It's reasonable. Uh, and people have said it but for no, a long time. But, but we didn't. Okay. But we didn't hear that. We didn't hear that with Joe Burrow. I think go back we never and heard listen. that with Joe I think, Burrow. I bet you did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so when it comes to this one year wonder, Joe Burrow was a one year wonder as well. Okay. Joe Burrow had to transfer to LSU because Dwayne Haskins was given the job at Ohio State, and we, we you you can say whatever you want about that, but you know this this Drake May thing to me is mind boggling. As I, I told you guys the other day, I don't even care. If 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 we don't if Peter doesn't want to go quarterback number two, we we shouldn't go quarterback. If he feels he can get a quarterback later, this Drake May, what has Drake May done compared to Jaden Daniels? Just because he's six four two forty, what does that mean? Jaden Daniels played in SEC against the best defenses, and he torched the best defenses this year. If LSU had a defense this year, it was a great possibility that LSU would have won the national championship. They had the best offense or top two or three in all of college football. Okay, we talk about his stature. Okay, that's fine. But we heard that, and I understand he's 30 pounds lighter than, than uh, Robert Griffin. He's 30 pounds lighter than um, um, 
who the other quarterback uh, that that you that L- you Lamar. said? Lamar, we're uh, up against it, buddy. We got to sorry, to let you jump. Seconds till a hard out, but yeah, the size is going to be a knock. The thirty pounds is big. It's the only but thing could, I worry about. I would think he could add some weight though to the frame. According to Kuiper in that breakdown, he probably is already starting. Uh, we got a film analyst from the Athletic. We'll ask him uh, about the quarterbacks next on G and D. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 